don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. The question always is, how influential a voice can marketing play in the boardroom? We're back with another remote episode of Social Minds, this time with Campaign Magazine's global tech editor, Omar Oaks, who's been covering, celebrating and critiquing the advertising, media and marketing industries for over five years now. Campaign, of course, part of Haymarket Media Group, is the world's leading business media brand, while the magazine has editions here in the UK, as well as the US, Asia Pacific, India, the Middle East and Turkey. Yes, being a reporter for Campaign, Omar has the enviable position of overseeing everything that goes on in the advertising industry, from paid social to programmatic. But what has the response been in these unprecedented times? On this week's podcast, we spoke about why we shouldn't look back on this pandemic as the government's finest hour, why McDonald's didn't get it right this time and why Campaign Magazine have taken the sensible decision to can their Turkey of the Week section, all while looking at the monumental impact of COVID-19 on our industry. And just one quick thing from me, guys. As you know, many of us have been working from home, so the audio quality isn't quite what we're used to if we were in the studio. But if you can bear with us, there was generally lots to take away from Omar and a lot of great insights that you won't want to miss. You don't want to see just TV or Facebook pictures on yet another medium, but we want to see good short-form content that speaks to a social media-savvy audience. All this and more coming up. How has COVID-19 impacted the advertising world? Well, imagine that a bomb has gone off. Couple that with a war. Couple that with the fact that it's not just a war, but the enemy, if you like, is other people because we're all having to socially distance from one another. That is what we're facing. It's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before. You think about Brexit, you think about the financial crash of 11 years ago, you think about 9-11. This is so much bigger than all of these things. Really, the only comparison is, you know, the the financial crash of the 1930s and the Second World War. Um, It's a huge time of not just uncertainty, but we have a collapse in consumer demand. You know, it's not just there are some things that will delay spend in terms of, you know, a lot of people are hopeful that the economy will bounce back in a big way. And I suspect it will in a large part. But look at all these events, these huge events that are being cancelled and moved to next year. Um, there's massive brand opportunities which have been lost. So it's it's huge. It's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it in our lifetimes. That sort of leads in perfectly to my next question. I, w- I want to sort of get some clarity on the real reason that brands are halting their ad spend. Why is that? Well, I mean, I mentioned the uncertainty. There is a collapse in consumer demand. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that if you go to the supermarket and you see that half the shelves are empty. Um, but there is gen- there is huge sectors in our economy where consumer demand has fallen off a cliff. But also, there is just a huge amount of uncertainty for brands in terms of spending decisions. A lot of those channels which above the line they're having to reassess what they're doing and it's not easy when you've spent you know x amount on a tv campaign to just pull it um but also you're looking to the future and thinking well what do we need to do and how are we going to protect ourselves it's a very difficult time for brands so with that in mind omar how have you seen agencies and creatives and um even in-house teams navigating that what's the impact been on them 
Well, I suppose there's a question for you guys as well. I mean, you guys um, as an agency are the forefront of this, but the conversations I've had, you know, the biggest thing is having to adapt to people's timelines. So we're recording this podcast. We're all working from home, recording from home. And imagine all the agencies that are having to adapt. And I imagine for creative teams, for example, anyone who's used to working in a team on projects, it's very difficult because we're all having to do these things over video conference and Skype and Slack and all the rest of it. And then couple that with the fact that now the kids are all at home because kids can't be at school. And it's very difficult when you've got kids, you're working with families and partners. There's emerging a jigsaw puzzle of different working times and practices to fit together. So I guess agencies, they have to start figuring that out. They have to be communicating with each other in a different way in terms of saying when I'm available, when I'm not available. Coupled with that, we can't forget the toll it could be taking on people's mental health as well. I don't know about you guys, but it's quite difficult to get away from my computer when I've been working an eight hour, nine hour, 10 hour day, because you always, you know, you're still in the chair, people are still online, you feel like there's more that you can do. I think we all have to just be really mindful of that. So, you know, if I'm, if my, if I'm working till five o'clock or whatever it is, you just have to put it away. Yeah, no, definitely. Just put the laptop down and go to um, another place in the house. Um, we had an interesting podcast with our friend Chris recently, um, who had some great tips on working from home. But it has been very interesting to see sort of um, the change in processes from an agency's uh, perspective and sort of figure out how, you know, like how many meetings could have been emails um, and things like that. But in terms of what we're offering to brands, I guess, it's everything's going online now. Are you seeing people sort of welcoming that or are some people struggling to um, navigate? With things like experiential agencies, people who mainly do out of home, how are they responding? Well, obviously, very difficult for events, marketing, the live event sector. Our campaign podcast this week, we did a show focusing on exactly that. And, you know, some of the big events, you know, we mentioned, you know, the Olympics and Euro 2020. And also in our own industry, Can Lions, which is the big industry event and awards show that happens in France in June. That's being moved to October. And there was a story in the US last night um, that was that a lot of agencies were talking about not even going to Cannes in October because they're still worried about um, the impact and is it going to be safe for people to travel then? Um, so there's, there's still a lot of unknowns we don't know. In terms of you know the, what, what we're going to see in the future, I guess there's two schools of thought. There's two hypotheses, rather. Is it going to be people work from home remotely and they kind of get better at using all these tools and they think, great, we can do more of that in the future? Or are we going to actually miss the kind of working in the office and being around teams so much that we almost see a bounce back effect and think, oh my God, it's so good to be working with one another again. Let's do more of this. You know, personally, like I find in the last two years, I haven't been going to the pub as much. And now I just, I'm dreaming of the day that I can go out to the pub and just like have a pint and chat to people you know um so yeah i i just think for different people and different industries it's going to be different i mean i don't know i mean you guys you know creative team do you do you envisage that you'll be working from home more after this or less i think some people will want to yeah i was about to say i think we're in a kind of a bit of a charmed position really because uh I guess being as kind of, uh, you know, the sort sort of agency and the sort of business that we are, a lot of people are used to remote working and we're quite a flexible agency. And I can imagine we're not nearly as uh, rigid as other other agencies and businesses. 
So it's almost not been the biggest change in the world. But yes, there, there are certain processes that are obviously, you know, a lot harder to um, sort of sort of deal with. But um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Omar, was kind of, uh, you know, it, it maybe maybe it's my own observation, but it feels like 2020, there's, there's something kind of uh, that keeps ringing in my mind about this, that it felt like a kind of, we were entering a new decade, a sort of period of uh, optimism, maybe you could say, for the ad industry. And now it feels like it's been completely sort of the rug has been pulled under everybody's feet a little bit. So I wonder how it's all affected plans that people maybe had in, in place for the year, for the next decade, as, you know, agencies sort of changed tact. They, they've surely all been disrupted massively. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, because remember that at the end of, well, actually it was the start of this year, wasn't it, that we actually left the European Union. And just, it's it's almost easy to forget this huge cloud that was hanging over our country for the last three years with Brexit is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? For a long time, it seemed like it might not happen because there was so much gridlock in Parliament and businesses were constantly having to wait and see. And that was freezing a lot of ad spends, I guess, in 2017, 2018. We saw in the last 18 to 24 months that that actually started to be unlocked because I guess a lot of brands thought, well, I guess this is a new normal where we're just living in a state of uncertainty. Um, and then actually there was a lot of optimism, as you say, at the start of this year because, you know, like it or loathe it, Brexit happened. And at least now businesses can start planning for the future. Agent And now agencies can start adapting based on what brands are doing. In good years, bad years, as I was saying before, this is unprecedented. This is something we're unlikely, well, hopefully we won't see again in our lifetimes. And it's just one of those black swan outlier, however when you call it, you can't legislate for it. Mm. Do, do we ever go I back know, to how it was? Is, is, there, is it possible, Omar, to ever go back to the the health of the ad industry to where we were? Do you know, I, I'm just trying to think in terms of how long, you know, from the end of hopefully COVID-19, does that recovery process take place? You know what I mean? It feels like the government trying to reverse the deficit. What, what, what does that look like for the ad industry, do you think? I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of things. There's an interesting philosophical, I guess, question in terms of the role of creative agencies in particular in times of a crisis when, I mean, look at the, you mentioned the government, look at the measures that the government have taken in this country and in the US, unprecedented sums of money. Just forget about the deficit. It's like, if the house is on fire, you don't worry about how much it's going to cost to put it out. That's the headspace that we're in, in terms of policy and helping the economy, helping people this extremely difficult time. For creative agencies, it almost becomes, well, is there a role for us to offer the expertise that we have in terms of messaging, in terms of ideas, and actually start offering services that aren't just ads for brands or other marketing activity, but can we do more for society at this very difficult time? Mm. Yeah, that's really important. And I say like some people have, um, or some brands, I should say, have obviously had to cut ad spend, but others are using this opportunity to put out some really nice content that isn't maybe product focused and that is just um, with the goal in mind of you know bringing people together. I was wondering if yeah, if you've seen any examples of like really smart marketing um, in the face of all this. Yeah, there've been good some good brand campaigns. 
Um, there was one just today I was looking at campaign site for latest work and Ikea in Spain. There was a lovely ad by McCann Madrid where, um, I mean, it's called Stay Home, but it's it's all about, I'll, I'll mention why it's very interesting in a second, um, but it's a lovely ad in which um, brand, you know, the brand is like showing you kind of the, the normal times or kind of what you're hoping for versus these very serious times in terms of stay at home. So it's a very clever piece of messaging in terms of telling you kind of um, being hopeful, but also serious at the same time. And that's a, that's a very difficult um, line for brands to tread. When we've seen an ad, um, I don't know if you saw in the US, there's a big um, Times Square out of home um, piece of work by Coca-Cola where they changed the Coca-Cola logo to separate the, the C from the O from the other C, etc., to to signify um, social distancing. Uh, McDonald's did a similar thing last week uh, with the golden arches being separated. And that actually, the latter one, McDonald's actually was panned on social media from what I saw. I know, because I was, was going to say, they got a lot of backlash for that, didn't they? Yeah, so, you know, two similar-ish campaigns, but different, the Coca-Cola one was received much more positively. And so it's a different difficult line for brands to trend. Now, I mention this because it, it there's a in, really interesting debate about what brands should be doing right now. So that IKEA ad was quite clever because it still had the serious message, but also that positivity around it. If you're watching ITV, for example, you're still seeing a lot of brand ads, a lot of spots which were bought and paid for and made before. And they, in light of COVID-19, they almost seem quite irresponsible because they're showing people touching and hugging and do all these things that, frankly, no one's doing right now. However, I was talking about this earlier this week with um, Orlando Wood, and he's um, Chief Innovation Officer at System One, and he's um, big on left brain, right brain thinking. And he's actually saying that consumers are yearning for emotional brand advertising. So the I guess the conventional wisdom is we should be quite serious and mindful right now and be responsible. But he's saying that consumers are more sophisticated and they can actually, they can discern between you know, the real world and the more fantastical advertising land. And ultimately, brands should be looking for positivity and some sort of escapism. But, you know, as we just talked about, ain't so easy, right? Because, you know, no, we're all public isn't. facing and social media, which you guys knew <laughs> a lot about, you know, people yeah. will just, they'll come after you straight away. There's, there's, I feel like you know, people are more like judgy than normal at the minute as well, because emotions are so heightened. I've just noticed from like reading the room on, on social and Twitter, even things like, did you see the video of all the celebrities recording Imagine? They got absolutely slated on social and it's like, okay, it might have been really corny, but they were just trying to do something nice. And people on social are just not having any of it, especially when it comes to businesses, brands, because a lot of them are looking into, you know, if they're putting their money where their mouth is and if they're treating their employees right and if their working conditions are fair. Um, so, yeah, now is not the time to sort of um, just put an ad out for the sake of an ad. You have to actually make sure you mean what you say. Um, more than ever, it's important all the time, of course, but people are really looking. Yeah, I think that's right. And it, I mean, it shows how important it is for, to have authentic brand messaging the whole way, because I suspect, you know, people when McDonald's does something around COVID-19, people just want to have a go at McDonald's because maybe more in the US than the UK is my own personal opinion, but maybe more in the US, um, McDonald's messaging has not been as rooted in an authentic um, brand 
centered way where it maybe feels like oh it's you know they're just trying to sell hamburgers they don't really believe in anything else and i think if if you've if you have a reputation for that if you try and kind of go outside of your comfort zone you're just going to be more prone to be attacked yeah definitely they they now's the time they're sort of remembering that thing you did like three years ago and they're going to bring it up yeah and we all remember pepsi was it two or three years ago with kendall jenner yeah um just a legendary piece of work where you know she was fighting the good fight against causes we still don't know so in in saying all this though omar i'm just i'm just uh, it's just coming into my mind is this uh medium specific in a way in that you know we're used to social media being a bit of a a fire pit of criticism is that because of the audiences that, that are there is, is there any scope for a brand to kind of you know divvy up their strategy to have the kind of wholesome kind of funny emotive content going out on tv ads for instance and then maybe you're more kind of serious following more the lines of the platforms covid19 myth busting information on social i don't know i don't know if it's the same you know just uh, the same approach for all it's an interesting question because even though audiences do behave in different ways according to medium and obviously the creative has to be adapted for medium brands nowadays do live across different channels so you really have to be careful in terms of having a brand strategy that is consistent as much as possible across different channels. So if you're putting out TV ads that say one thing and then you're acting a different way on other channels such as social, that disconnects because, you know, users don't just do one thing. They go on TV and they go on social media, often to talk about what they've just seen on TV, by the way. Um, there's, there's a, I think it was, um, was it Marshall McLuhan um, back in the day, many years ago, he said that, the first content you see on a new medium is old medium. So with television, the first content you had was essentially radio programs that were being delivered over television. And now what you've had on the internet is essentially print that's been recreated online, television recreated on the internet via video. And that's still kind of, I think, the mindset that we're in. There are very few brands, we're seeing it more and more, who are doing this better, that are actually not just adapting TV spots for social when it comes to social media advertising, but actually doing stuff social first. You know, Instagram stories, for example, become more popular particularly with brands that have really bought into that. Um, so there it's, it's, I think you just need to be consistent as much as possible. Don't just have, you know, a brand manager who's looking at social, another one who's looking at TV, try and be holistic as much as possible. It's definitely where we come from, isn't it, Eve? The, 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 the uh, social first approach. And, and yeah, I, I suppose, you know, yeah. like, like we've covered in this podcast, it is, interesting to see sort of brands who seemingly are kind of don't really have any other kind of agendas nothing to sell kind of putting their best foot forward and trying to kind of I don't know go to each other to make better work in a way like I just have this vision yeah. of uh, a lot of creatives just sort of working from home thinking like right okay need something to do now <laughs> what can we do um <laughs> I wanted to uh, ask you about uh, a subject probably closer to home and, and what the kind of impact has been uh, like for campaign because I suppose um you guys aren't like Sky Sports in that there's no football there's no rugby to cover I suspect you're in- inundated with COVID-19 stories we're definitely inundated with people who want to comment on COVID-19 <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is which is great there are lots of opinions out there um in terms of the 
the coverage, there are obviously there's lots of stories. Um, and it raises a challenge for us, which is common for all news-led organisations at a time of crisis, when you want to do the best job possible in terms of reporting the news and getting all the important stories that there are, but also not wanting to be sensationalistic, uh, not wanting to be overly negative just because you can. And a lot of that, you know, this this isn't something that we do. I mean, we we operate behind a paywall, frankly, a metered paywall. And we we don't have a strategy of clickbait and just trying to get the mass, you know, the maximum amount of traffic for any story. And I think particularly um, news organizations that do have that strategy, there's always a tendency to be sensational, to be overly negative. Um, you know, we're not trying to do anyone any favors, as it were. We're trying to report the news responsibly. But you really do have to have strong editorial values in terms of saying, well, actually, what is the value of this story? What is what are we adding value by re- reporting it and how are we doing it in a responsible way? So that's the biggest challenge. Coupled with that, obviously, there are logistical issues in terms of everyone working from home, etc. Um, it's a difficult time and hopefully, you know, however long this goes on, we'll, we'll get better and better at it. Mm. Have you experienced any like feedback on with these kind of when you're reporting on these kind of topics and these serious matters um, about your metered paywall? Because I've seen again a lot of um, backlash on social, mainly for regular news outlets, people sort of um, safeguarding like crucial information um, behind this sort of gated, um, you have to pay to get in kind of system. Yeah, I mean, the Telegraph fell foul of that. Was it last weekend or the weekend before when um, mm, they, they yeah. had a, a piece, a rather important piece, actually, by Matthew Hancock, the health secretary, and they originally put it behind a paywall, and it just seems completely inappropriate. Um, we are running a live blog every day where we're keeping people updated with the most important industry news as it happens. That isn't behind a paywall. We took the decision that that should be free to all. Um, A lot of those stories, there will be kind of um, more in-depth articles around that. And that is still behind a paywall because, you know, frankly, you know, we it's it's not just about um, selling ads behind a paywall. It's about actually have a community of readers that's really important to campaign. You know, we took the decision some time ago that, as I say, we're not about just um, selling loads of online advertising. Um, We actually what we're focused on is building a community of readers who we want to engage with and yeah. you know whether you do have to keep some semblance of normality as well of course don't you yeah i mean that's the other issue as well how during a time of crisis how much do you stay true to the things that you usually do versus taking more sensitive decisions you know another example is um, we usually we do a pick of the week and a turkey of the week and um, we also took the decision that during this time of crisis we're not going to do turkeys anymore because there are a lot of businesses who are facing tough times right now and even though it's something that we're known for and for providing critique of the industry in an effort to support and champion creativity now maybe isn't the right time to do that so as you say it's a balance between being true to our brand and what's important versus being sensitive and being agile yeah definitely omar i wonder from uh, purely a kind of reader kind of daily stats point of view uh how you're finding performance of non-covid 19 stories is it the fact that 
COVID-19 is getting all the kind of headlines and nothing else really kind of, you know, lands because, we, you know, we, we've sort of found with some stuff where we put out something non-COVID-19 re- related and it'd do all right for engagement, but you put out the COVID-19, just, it's, it almost feels like just putting that, the words COVID-19 is uh, kind of, you know, sends your numbers flying a bit more than usual. Uh, that's probably true. I suspect that there will be a tipping point where we start to see uh, a rebalancing of people being, oh, so sick of coronavirus. I mean, I've been sick of coronavirus for two weeks now. Um, You know, I I was actually on holiday the week before last and I had a lot of time to read and listen to podcasts and listen to the news. And it suddenly dawned on me that we shouldn't be working in the office anymore. This was two weeks ago, right? We shouldn't be in the office anymore. We should be at home. And, it, you know, the penny just dropped for me. Um, And it wasn't until last week, obviously, that everyone did start working from home. But there is, I so maybe I'm just going to sound pompous, but maybe I'm a week ahead of a lot of people who maybe didn't have time to kind of reflect and they were kind of just getting on with it and taking advice from the government, which was frankly just too slow in locking things down. Um, but I suspect that, yeah, maybe in a week, a couple of weeks, you will start to see people yearning for just looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think hopefully now that the, go- the government finally has taken these rather strong measures, they're talking about maybe the peak will come in Easter in a couple of weeks. And maybe as long as we can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe you really will see us start to see a ramping up in demand for, you know, non-COVID-19 stuff. Yeah. I want to I want to cut yeah. in there quickly, actually, Omar, just to say, you, men- you mentioned the government. It seems like an appropriate question uh, to ask you for somebody who's so close to the advertising industry. Where do you stand on the criticism they've received about their messages not being uh, clear enough? Because, you know, as ad people, as copywriters, that is our sort of bread and butter, you know, that, that's, our, that's our, our main aim all the time. I think it's an interesting thing because you wonder after we've been through such a period of crisis, when people look back and see what happened, what could have been improved, you wonder whether there'll be a rose-tinted effect where people look back on this time and the whole, the, oh, wasn't it great that Britain got together and, you know, the government did what it needed to do and we all pulled our socks up and we got through it, this real blitz time spirit. Um, I hope that doesn't happen because, frankly, this government has been rather um, woeful in terms of the its messaging, in terms of how slow it's been how it's failed to clearly communicate with other countries such as Spain and Italy, which have been ahead of us. You know, everyone's saying that we're two weeks behind Italy. Um, There doesn't seem to be much evidence that they have learned the lessons from what has happened. Um, And in terms of the messaging, you know, you hear stories of how, you know, the online platforms such as YouTube and Facebook have been offering free inventory for the government. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm on these channels all the time and I've hardly seen any government messaging apart from the middle of this week. And, you know, it's it's really disappointing you know it was and in terms of the um, there was a story in the guardian on monday about how the government has failed to use the emergency alert system and again i don't know about you guys but i only i think it was was it yesterday that we started getting or was it tuesday we started getting the phone messages saying stay at home this stuff should have been done at least a week ago you know i'm not working in government but i'm just listening to the news and you can see what's happening in the united states you can see what's happened in china in singapore in south korea with the successful measures that they've had and it's not just a messaging problem but clearly there is a you know there is an issue with 
strategic focus in times of crisis. And it's really worrying because the first priority of the government is to protect its citizens. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And things like their, their comms, we actually as an agency reached out and offered to help them. I think Steve was in talks with them, but they've um, they've got a partnership now with Facebook and another with WhatsApp. Um, so maybe like we'll start seeing more content uh, from them, but it, it just seemed to be like a little bit too late already. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you could say that the, there's no playbook for this sort of thing, but we've, no, known, we've, no, we've known with the Ebola crisis that there there is always the threat of a pandemic. Uh, you know, we've known the less you know we've known the lessons from the Spanish flu a hundred years ago, where thirty million people died. You know, there is there's a there's a TED talk from a couple of years ago from Bill Gates that's been doing the rounds where, you know, he made it very clear, you know, that we've learned from Ebola how quickly things can spread. And Ebola isn't even something that spreads that easily. You know, you have to be pretty sick and in bed before you can be contagious of Ebola. Whereas this is a high, coronavirus is a highly contagious disease um, that you, you can spread days before being symptomatic yourself. And the clear yeah. advice should have been from a long time ago that people should distance kids should not be in school we need to protect our health workers um and i i really i mean i won't even get into the underfunding of the nhs but yeah we yeah along with the yeah. along with the us we have the lowest beds per patient among developed countries and it's even more important that we social distance because frankly we don't have the beds or the ventilators not let alone the testing to be dealing with this yeah definitely i mean go back to like the messaging and like social distancing i sort of made an example of it copy-wise the other day because um, the word social distancing I think is like a conceptual like new term to most people and actually a lot of people um, then thought it was left open to interpretation a lot of people are confused um, and instead simple copy and instructive copy like a good call to action would have been stay home get food once a week and that's so much clearer to people social distancing they think they can still go on you know picnics to the park and I guess it's sort of uh, makes it obvious how important comms is um, for even you know governments. Um, but I guess going on to a slightly uh, hopeful and more positive note, if ad spend is experiencing a dip um, right now because of all this, when this is over, should we prepare for a boom? I would like to think so. Yes, because That's people. What I. people <laughs> no, because. Uh, I, th I think if you imagine what it's like for a lot of people working from home, just being in the house with their families and loved ones, um, more you, you're looking around the place and think, oh, maybe we, you know, maybe it's time for a, a new TV or maybe we should think about remodeling. Or I expect that um, at-home retailers, for example, we might see a, um, a more sustained demand as well as people will want to go on holiday and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, that's it. It'll be like, life is short, buy the dress buy the dog go on holiday yeah 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 i mean there was a there was a piece on the bbc news yesterday about people who are now there's a huge apparently rising um uh, search traffic for people who want to do these huge kind of once in a lifetime holidays um <laughs> i guess we're all kind of thinking well you know you you truly only do, do live once and your way of life can be disrupted at any time so you might as well kind of do the things you've always wanted to do so i guess um i could call it bucket list consumer brands um if that's a thing i i think we, we might see a big it's uptick a thing in now that. We've yeah the term. <laughs>
Omar, Eve's, Eve's question, actually, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about this boom, but it uh, sort of brings something else into my mind, which is Christmas, uh, because we all know, you know, logic states that uh, we don't advertise for Christmas in November, we do it in uh, July and August. I just wonder, you know, that, that, that's got to be something that's in the back of people's minds now, you know, how, how long is this going to go on? And, you know, the big Christmas boom, which which happens yearly for everybody, how does that get affected? Well, it's probably in truth too soon to tell because, you know, over the summer months, you would expect naturally people, less people to be affected by the virus purely as a result of there being more sunlight. Ultraviolet light actually um, disinfects the virus, which is why flu seasons happen in the winter and not the summer. So given that we will return to winter at that time, um, there's, there's, there's a question about when we stop socially isolating and we flatten the curve is the jargon that we keep hearing. Um, when we when the government starts allowing people to come back to work, to start going into public places again, there's the, I suspect there may be a cat and mouse thing that happens in terms of you might see a sudden spike because actually we're infecting a lot of people. Oh, we got to socially distance again and then we'll try it again in a month's time or whatever. That that could be the dynamic of 2020 going forward. And unfortunately, by the time we get to Christmas, it may not feel like there's the huge back to work, back to school vibe that maybe we're all envisaging. It may be more stop start than that. So the fact that, you know, it's going to be colder, it's going to be darker, coupled with the fact that there's no easy way to tell of how much of a spring back there's going to be i think it's too early to tell but clearly people are going to want to celebrate clearly people hopefully the supply chain will improve in terms of people ordering things um you know apple was it last night announced that the iphone that usually is launched every september um is going to be delayed by a couple of months so there's questions over whether that's gonna ship before christmas now there could be a lot of particularly as we're so reliant on china for the supply chain for a lot of the big ticket electronic items that people like to get around christmas time there there just may not be the supply to fit the demand regardless of what the demand is so that's a very long way of saying still too many questions at this point but obviously we're hopeful because (laughs) christmas is a great time Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I always, I would think that like, like I know how much money I can spend from my sofa. It's it's shocking, really. So you would think when people are cooped up at home, you know, that now's the time they'd want to like cheer themselves up a bit, treat themselves, buy online. But I guess it is like uh, the behind the scenes looking um, at the supply chains and and the and the factory workers and things like that um, that's putting a lot of strain on people. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to you guys. I mean, Christmas briefs often get planned months in advance. Yeah. Um, for mostly above the line campaigns, but I'm wondering through the work that you do, are you talking about Christmas work already? Is that still happening? I, I think I mean, it comes I a lot need, later for social, need, doesn't it? I need to ask the uh, creative teams really, but it'll it'll be it'll be in people's minds. But honestly, it feels like the last few weeks, absolutely everything we had planned for the next few months has gone out the window, and we're sort of doing. Um, whatever we can, like everyone's scrapping together um, to fill a new kind of demand that, you know, hopefully is um, just temporary. Well, obviously we hope so because, you know, not just advertising in media, but all manner of sectors in our economy are being affected. Um, what I really think about is our freelancers um, and it's the freelancers who get hit first during these times of crisis. And, you know, I've heard countless stories now about freelancers who contracts have been cancelled 
and there has to be support for from the government particularly for these people um you know and it's been no secret over the last two three years in particular that agencies have relied more on freelance work and that's been a function of brands being less committed to doing longer term uh, projects uh, longer term agency record relationships for example and so when you're when your brands are increasingly saying to agencies okay well let's do something for six months and see how it goes it's difficult for an agency to build a pipeline around that so you find that more of your workforce becomes flexible labor and so we're in a situation where so much of the industry's been relying on flexible labor but now in times of a crisis actually everyone's kind of tightening up and thinking okay well we just need to kind of protect our permanent staff and unfortunately we can't have any flexible labor um it's it's an incredibly difficult situation i just think about those people they need to be protected first and foremost it's tricky isn't it did you see that um there was all the main public service broadcasters written to the chancellor about protecting freelancers because you know things like uh, people like itv uh, bbc they they use freelancers quite a lot as well um, and they've sort of emphasised the importance of them. Because I think it's only when you sort of um, have to let people like that go and you realise uh, how important they actually were when they're not there anymore. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's extremely, extremely important. Yeah, it's a good point because the production industry, a lot of freelancers work in production. And if you imagine, you know, there are a lot of people who work as photographers, freelance photographers, cameramen, and all the crew surrounding yeah. that. You know, the, it's it's incredibly difficult when there are no more sporting events to cover, when there is, there is less... Um, uh, b-roll that you can shoot when um or you know itv this week you know they, they talked about how production has had to be stalled and there are there are a lot of freelancers who work in all of these industries and it makes complete sense that they should be working hard for those people yeah no definitely i mean and, and so another um sort of corner of the industry that's probably being effective but uh, affected sorry um, and that's influencers but it feels like influencer marketing has gone kind of quiet and I've sort of seen a few um, people speaking online and the sentiment has been like isn't it nice that we don't have to see all these um, like na- like brand deals and people selling like skinny tea and actually people are just posting nice things and encouraging things and uh, isn't it such a relief I mean how is this affecting influencer marketing is there an opportunity for influencers to, to do something different here can they keep working as usual yeah well they're hit by a double whammy aren't they because they're affected by um a general pause in brand activity which we've talked far too much about already but also there is um there's the how much do they want to be seen to be doing a brand deal at a time where everybody's just worrying about paying the bills yeah you know we were talking about brand sensitivity before and influencers have to be careful i suspect a lot of them are being careful Mm. about how they do these brand relationships at what's a really difficult time and i think you could really see a rise in trusted influencers you know people who are still you know obviously you know they can still do their channels from home a lot of people do all the production themselves they can still produce the content by themselves and actually produce content that is meaningful and useful for people this is the kind of thing they should be doing anyway frankly i'm 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 not interested in tour and i don't really have any respect for a brand that you know chooses to work with a lot of these these influencers particularly on instagram by the way who clearly are just there to make as much money on as possible and aren't really adding any value 
beyond actually doing quite an insidious thing in terms of, oh, look at me, look how perfect my life is, etc. Um, I don't need to name names. There are far too many examples versus, you know, particularly on, you know, I follow a lot of people on YouTube um, who that I follow mostly to keep up with tech news and reviews, um, as well as, you know, review TV shows, for example. And, you know, they're still putting out quite a bit of content. And there's not, you know, they do do branded stuff as well. But primarily, I've been following them for many years because they're just focused on producing good content. That is what we want to see in terms of good user-generated content. We don't want to see just TV or Facebook pictures on yet another medium, but we want want to see good kind of short form content that speaks to a social media savvy audience yeah no absolutely and I think things like um like YouTube videos obviously like I've been watching a lot of YouTube now in my spare time um and you know like sponsors are still going ahead mid-rolls are still going ahead um and like no one really seems to mind that that's just business as usual but yeah I think if you were to see a picture on Instagram of someone holding up like a like a skinny tea or whatever uh, it wouldn't go down too well but I guess you know in times like these it encourages people to use social more as well um and I know you said you mentioned you've seen an uptick in UGC how is that um how is this impacting content sort of on a on a broader scale in that sense well I think we might be seeing green shoots of that um Jenny Quigley Jones who runs Digital Voices sent me some stats earlier this week where she noticed um some interesting data from Google Trends um, and this is where you look at you know what people have been searching for in the last 90 days in the UK and it was it was things like how to start a YouTube channel how to make a YouTube channel and obviously you know people with more time on their hands <laughs> uh, more opportunity to use the medium and also just I guess this crisis is forcing everyone to maybe be more reflective with their lives and their careers and you know I've been thinking personally about oh you know doing a doing a podcast with um, campaign has been really fun somebody mentioned on Twitter last week about oh who wants to do a, an, a Mad Men you know fan podcast sort of thing where you review each episode and you know um, that would be really fun for example so you know I'm thinking of things like new podcast ideas yeah. and I suspect there are a lot of people out there who are really creative really imaginative really savvy and are thinking about well you know what well, I don't you know you don't need to have a lot of uh, money for production equipment you you can try things on YouTube for example and you know see what works and doesn't work and there's a lot of opportunity so I suspect in the coming months we will start to see um, a rise in you know generated content and I think that's just a really good thing and I think the long-term trend for digital media I mentioned before about Marshall McLuhan and you know, old media living on new media. We're still, still. I don't. You know, you know, you guys know more than me, but I still think that we're in an age where people look at social media as above the line media. Uh, you know, mass broadcasts and expecting big numbers all the time. When actually, there is so there's an opportunity to develop deep relationships with frankly, smaller but more committed audiences. And I'm hoping that this rise in UGC, if that is what happens, we really start to see good quality content that isn't supposed to be, you know, trying to get millions of subscribers, but just tries to deliver the best possible content. Yeah, no, I agree totally. And, you know, I have seen even some some bigger brands uh, doing that 
quite well. I mean, a lot of brands are, are like doing things like uh, Headspace give, is giving away some freebies. And is that the smart strategy, do you think, for brands? I mean, I'll throw it back to um, things I've been reading online again. Um, and lots of people, especially when it comes to talking about independence, um, but also they'll feel the same about bigger brands that they do love and that they are loyal to. Um, and it's the fact that if these people can just hang in there, then and if they do the right thing right now, that when this is over, their money is coming right for them, um, and they should they should just hang in there. Um, so, you know, is it wise for um, brands to build trust in this time and keep pressing ahead, even if they're not maybe profiting, um, and build sort of a lot of trust for when this is all over? I think it's easy for a big multinational corporation to do that to to seek to build trust to to offer free stuff you know no one's going to say no to free stuff right um but frankly this this economy the way it's going to shake out there are going to be a lot of businesses that disappear and this is what happens in times of crisis it's very unfortunate but it's the capitalist world in which we live in that some companies just aren't going to exist and you're going to see big tech companies in particular get even bigger amazon facebook google they they're going to be operate they're going to be even bigger fish in a smaller pond if you like after this so i just you know i wouldn't want to to um pontificate on big you know overarching rules that brands should do because we we many brands are operating at different speeds I think it's just a case of pulling together, do, making the smartest possible business decisions you can at this time, not forgetting that brand advertising is still really important. We've, you know, we've seen evidence from the financial crisis that those brand that those brands that continue to invest in not just tactical short term activity, but, but longer term brand building activity, they benefit massively when the economy picks up again, because consumers remember those brands are there in tough times it comes back to yeah. this thing about being authentic and trusted don't just do short-term tactical response-led stuff that's the only thing that i would say yet again with a huge asterisk the huge caveat um it's just a case of people pulling together right now and surviving yeah absolutely i guess the financial crash is sort of the most comparable thing we can have to this sort of situation in terms of the economic effects um what are some of the uh sort of bigger concerns that you've heard among cmos and and people who um you speak to on a regular basis I think the biggest concerns are around, obviously, the business decisions we've talked about in terms of just being able to make those longer term decisions when everyone's so focused on the here and now. The uncertainty around how much of a spring back there's going to be around supply chains in August or September or whenever we can hope to return to normal is a concern. But also in terms of brand activity, will I actually be able to do the things I want to do with the brands going forward when consumers are focused on COVID-19 and safety and just there not being as much media available? You know, if 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 people aren't watching um, TV in the same way before, you know, we've, we're hearing a lot about how um, demand for Netflix and Amazon Prime is on the increase because in the, sh in the short to medium term, broadcasters can't deliver the normal programming that they've been able to offer up till now. You know, what, what's going to be the residual effect of that afterwards? 
um, there has to be a lot of communication in terms of planning, in terms of deciding, well, what's actually going to be the medium to long term strategy. I think that's just I think that's just the biggest concern. I mean, CMOs, particularly uh, you're a really big organization. The question always is how influential a voice can marketing play in the boardroom? Because everyone knows how important marketing is. But it's it's still even today seen as something that goes up and down in line with how well the economy or the wider business is doing when in an ideal world, marketing would be leading a lot of those businesses decisions. Yeah, definitely. It is sort of seen as a luxury, isn't it? We've we've covered uh, an awful lot here, Omar, Um, you know, COVID-19 and advertising uh, related, even things that we hadn't thought of at all before. And I'm sure our audience hadn't. Um, But yes, hopefully it's a matter of uh, when things get better, not if things get better. I'm sure, you know, it would be uh, the former, but we'll wrap up there um, because we've got absolute lots of information for our audiences. So thank you very much for joining us, given the circumstances. So glad we could make it work. And yeah, thank uh, you. wish you guys a bit campaign. And obviously everybody listening, as we always do, all the, all the best during these times. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I hope everything is fine up in Manchester and that you guys are coping with it and are moving on from strength to strength when, as you say, we will get back to normal. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> yes. A rallying cry. We will do. Yeah. Thanks again, Omar. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 